Welcome to St. James Parish in Wilmington, North Carolina. You can learn more about St. James on our website at stjamesp.org. So good morning on our first, first feeling of fall in 2021. As a young boy who is being formed in the church, and I say formed because I don't think a church, you grow up in a church, I think you're formed in a church. As someone who is being formed in the church, we had this incredible deacon at my home parish. Um, her name was Lois. She was assigned to us, which was kind of unusual because our church is not very big. We weren't the cathedral. We weren't Good Shepherd, which are the same size as St. James or bigger. We were a church that was built in the 1980s, had clear windows, maybe 100 people between two services on a Sunday. Lots of kids making noise, which bounded off those white walls with dirty handprints of children strewn across them. Loving prayers, reflecting back, and music all made in this one community. So it was kind of unusual to get this deacon. Lois had been a deacon for a number of years at this point. She was an expert in godly play. She pioneered godly play for our sisters and brothers who were dealing with Alzheimer's or dementia because the stories that Alzheimer's and dementia people often remember last are the simplest stories. The ones that we learn as young children from the Bible like Moses, Noah's Ark, Jonah and the whale. And that's what godly play is. Plus, there's the tactile feel. So she would go into these areas, um, these homes, and do godly play for dementia patients. Eventually, she got well-known, and now the Church of England uses her approach across the Church of England with godly play. She taught me godly play, invited me in to learn, and I was like, how awesome is this? Deacons are the coolest. So she's one of the greatest deacons I've ever, I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. And throughout high school and college, I would see her honing her craft, even years after service. She was a wonderful collaborator in church. She taught me some awesome tips and tricks around the altar, um, not as, as an acolyte and as someone who would help the altar guild. Um, but then one day, she revealed she had an addiction. It was an addiction she had been grappling with for years. It was an addiction to fantasy football. She came to me and said, Chris, I'm in too many leagues. I don't have enough time, but I'd like to start another one. <laughs> and uh, then the Church of the Resurrection, the name of our church, Fantasy Football League was born. And she did this while I was serving as a missionary in Japan because she wanted a way for me to connect with home and to be with different parishioners. So you'd get a proposed draft and in the message, hope Japan's treating you well. I wanted to be Lois. Lois is the coolest. She is a deacon. Therefore, deacons are the coolest. How about that for some logical syllogism? It's, it's ironclad. So I thought for years I'd be called to secular career and then do what Lois did, become a deacon. And that's the funny thing about calls. They come at you fast. 
Lois and others in my life saw something different for me. And I listened, and here I am today. But funny enough, both our epistle and gospel to me read in this time and this place about calling. Not just for those of us who wear these collars. And oftentimes, I was told throughout my discernment process, don't let this collar get too tight around your neck. Because something funny happens when people get these. All of a sudden, their heads get red. Their, their heads get bigger and bigger and bigger because oxygen is cut off. And they float off in the air until they pop. So don't do that. So I've listened to that. I've heeded that advice. But it's not just about people with these collars. It's about all of us who are baptized for the life into the body of Christ, who are called to follow Christ and do what we are called to do. When we are called by God to do various ministries, to do various evangelism efforts, we are living out our Christian calling to the absolute fullest. Hebrews mentions Aaron being called. We have to follow the example of those who came before us, like Aaron, and heed the call. James and John literally went to Jesus to ask him what they should do. And there's two things with this. First, I thought, that's pretty bold. And second, I imagine they talked before going to Jesus, and they had a conversation probably in hushed tones around a campfire. And James might have said to John something like, so this whole parable thing he does, let's not think too hard about it. And let's go ask him, because you know people 2,000 years from now will have to spend hours in prayer and conversation to figure out and parse what Jesus is trying to say, but he's right here. Let's just stroll up and ask. And John might have responded to James and said, well, we better make a good question like, you know, you know we'd be the ones to sit at your right and left, you know, that place of honor. And off they go. James and John think being at the right and left will give them something more special than anyone else. And this is obviously thrown out by Jesus because as he teaches them, we all partake in one baptism. We all share in one body. We all share in one cup. Who are James and John to be placed above anyone else? They did not understand the true calling of what it means to follow Christ. They assumed, as Jesus points out, that those who are recognized as rulers will lord it over them. And those who, uh, who are rulers over those lords, they're tyrants over them. And that power dynamic is real. And Jesus is here to say, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Jesus then goes on to say what we are all, and I mean all, truly called to be, that whoever it is to be great, we are all called to be servants. It doesn't matter. A servant to all. What Jesus is calling them to do is too important to get caught up with rulers, as Jesus say, says, lording power over others, when there is no time to spare in order to spread the good news of Christ. We are all servants of Christ, all of us, regardless of who we are, according to anyone else who lords power over you. doesn't matter what they say, you're a servant of Christ. We are all moving in the same direction, 
each and every one of us. It's impossible not to. No matter what others say, we are all moving in the same direction because we're all here to spread the good news. Everything else is superfluous. It doesn't matter. If you're spreading the good news, you're doing a wonderful thing for all of us to be called by Christ. It is a wonderful thing to witness people like Lois, the deacon, do what she was called to do and spread the love of Christ, even to those who might not remember Lois's name the next time, but they'll remember the stories she told them. It's a wonderful thing for all of us to be called by Christ to do the works that we are called to do, to spread the love, to spread the grace, and to spread the mercy of God. And I'll leave you with this from theologian Susan Andrews, who said, what a privilege, what a privilege it is for all of us to claim and share Christ's call of suffering, Christ's call of joy, and Christ's call of peace.